What is going on, everybody? Hey, today I got a special guest on here today, Mr. Tim Cruz, and he's going to be talking today about his journey for through bodybuilding, uh, where he is today, uh, what his intention was this year, and even how it's really shaped other areas of his life and uh, completely like changed his mindset on uh, other areas like relationships, like business, like finances, and how all that combined into the sport that he uh, he loves and he, and he does at a high level, which is bodybuilding. So before we, we dive into some some uh, some in-depth questions, Tim, if you don't mind giving everybody just a little, uh, little overview on who you are and honestly how you got to this point that you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So if you listen to any of Logan's podcasts, um, you'll recognize my face and my voice because we do a weekly mindset podcast, which is freaking amazing. Um, and we do it like clockwork every Wednesday. Um, and we cover things like mindset and how to just basically just manifest your personal power. Um, so quick little synopsis on me. I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed meathead. I love picking up heavy, heavy weights and setting them back down lots of times. Um, but I'm also a nerd, meaning I love to learn everything about the human body, performance, nutrition, training, mindset, uh, routine, like progression in all facets of life. Like I really love nerding out on that stuff, but my true passion, my true, I would say my calling or my purpose in life is, is really, I get up every morning just excited to, to help people, help my clients, help people that aren't my clients, help people, every interaction, um, help people manifest their best self, meaning healthier, wealthier, wiser, um, and, and really just manifesting that strongest version of themselves. So if I can sum it up in just like a small little sentence, that would be, that would be my purpose and my calling in life. And that's how I found Logan, because he has a very similar, if not exactly the same purpose in his life. So that's how we kind of synced up. And so you just got done with two shows relatively back to back within a month. And so we kind of get into, into those on some like the like tactical prep work on how you got extremely peeled or shredded, whatever, whatever else out there likes to use, but like super, super lean, uh, amazing, amazing, um, amazing pictures that you have on the internet. So if you're not following Tim, like go follow Tim on Facebook um, and go check out, definitely post stories and, and pictures on there. But before we talk about those two shows, like, how did you get into the actual sport of bodybuilding? Like, what was that? What was that entry point in? Um, yeah, what's the origin story? Yeah, so um, I think it's really common for bodybuilders. They they generally come from a couple different places, um, but for me, it was very much athletics. So, like, I played all sports growing up. I was a three sport athlete in high school, and then played baseball in college, and then I ended up um, actually not finishing baseball in college because I tore uh, my rotator cuff actually a couple times. I tore it twice in my freshman year and I was on a scholarship and it actually got uh, kind of pulled because I was tarnished good at, goods at the time. But that competitive um, spirit, that competitive nature that a lot of athletes have, like once you're done with like college athletics and as we know, like 0.001 people go on to the pros. Um, I wasn't that genetic elite. I wasn't that good at baseball. I was good enough to play uh, whatever Montana State is, D1AA um, college baseball, but not good enough to go to the minor leagues or the pros. So you kind of had this like void left in your life. And really at that same time, I had changed over to um, studying exercise physiology, strength conditioning, nutrition. Um, and I really had fallen in love with like the strength conditioning component of baseball more so than I actually was in love with baseball. 
Um, so I just started lifting. Like I, I always lifted, but I started lifting as if it was my sport. Had no idea about bodybuilding. I mean, everybody heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Franco Colombo, uh, the Hulk. Like everybody had heard about these people, but the actual sport, I had no freaking idea. But I started doing a lot of research on like bodybuilding.com taking the supplements and, and lifting and finding some cool like weightlifting programs. And it was probably, I would say probably two years into lifting as a, as just a, just a, a pastime. I had several people approach me at the gym and tell me like, Hey, like you've got like a decent structure and you're pretty freaking strong. You have you thought about competing? And at that time I had no idea what competing meant. All I knew is that these guys got up on stage in their underwear and like flex their muscles. Like I had no idea what into it. And so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try it. Like I'll try anything. And so I dieted for my first competition. This would have been like 2008, 2007, 2008. And I dieted all the way down. It wasn't nearly enough. I showed up. This is at Chico State. So it was like a, a local bodybuilding show. And I showed up at the, at the competition and like I ended up not competing because I went backstage and I did not look the same as the other people. Like I didn't shave my chest. I didn't shave anything on my body. I was not tan. Like I didn't put a tan on. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I hadn't watched a single competition in my life. And I was like, huh, like, I don't look like them. I'm not nearly as lean as them. Like I have abs, but I'm not like shredded or peeled at all. So I, instead I ended up, okay, I'm just going to be a spectator this first time. So I sat down in the stands and just watched my first show. And I was like, oh yeah, that's freaking cool. Um, so then I set out to like, I moved to Reno, Nevada, like literally that next year. And uh, as fate would have it, or I'm not really a believer in fate as much as there is uh, a path for all of us. I ran into several people that were competitors. I ran into my, my first coach who was the owner of Max Muscle in Reno. And he kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me more of the training side, less of the nutrition side, but more like what actual training looked like, how to really push yourself like to the point where, I mean, to this day, some of the workouts we did are still top five hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. Um, just like what real effort actually looked like and he ended up getting me ready for, I did three shows my first year, which is a huge mistake. I did three shows my first year. And after those first three shows, I think I, the best I placed was like seventh, um, at the Contra Costa and it was in the novice division. So it wasn't even that good. So like, but it just like, it bit me. They say the iron bug bit you. I got bit by the iron bug. And at that point I was like, I'm just going all in and fast forward 10 years. I guess it's been a little more than 10 years. So like 11 years, 12 years, here I am, just did my first national show this year and placed fifth, um, did fairly well for a national, for a first national show. Um, but really it's been just a lot of hard work and a lot of consistency. And uh, as we talk about a lot on our, our daily huddles, like the effort that is required to achieve something, like just multiply that by 10 and you probably are, are a little bit closer to the actual effort that it's going to take and the time that it's gonna to take to achieve high level goals. Yeah, so you said that it was a mistake that you did three in your very first year. Like, for people out there who are probably don't even know why, like, why, why is that a mistake? It seems like if you do more of them, you should be better at them. So, true, true. Yeah. So, um, as far as like, if you think about the 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 word bodybuilding itself, like we're trying to build the body. And if we think about just the simple law of thermodynamics, energy in versus energy out. If you when you're dieting, you you must be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. So by definition, you cannot be putting on muscle, meaning you can't be building the body. So it's a common mistake that I see a lot of young people make um, is that they try to compete too often. They try to, try to compete too early and they don't give themselves time to grow. Like 
my first show, I started dieting at 235 pounds and I stepped on stage at 172. So I had about 172 pounds of lean mass on my body and I'm five foot 11. Um, so that's not very much. Like realistically, the pros at my level or my height are, are somewhere in that 240 to 250 pounds of lean body mass. So my, the, the reason it was a mistake is I should have been spending time just building my body, like getting bigger, putting on muscle, adding strength, eating good food, working on what I'd call the core fundamentals, which is nutrition, exercise, and then also rest and recovery. So like being able to actually learn how to recover from these workouts so you can grow. So that would be why I would call it a mistake is just because if you're spending all your time dieting for competition, those are, that's valuable time that you're not going to get back to grow. And when you're young, your testosterone level is like really high. So you have like natural steroids in your system all the time trying to grow. Um, and I, I probably compete, I competed five times in the first two years I was, was doing this. And so if I heard you right, you've been doing this for you know, over a decade and it sounds like this was the first year you actually competed like at a national level versus like a, like a local level. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think that's important for to understand is that like, it's like, obviously everyone sees the Tim now and they see you in the pictures and the shredded and they see you over a decade later, but this is the, and this is the, now your first opportunity to actually be like on a national stage. Um, and so like, tell me like that, that journey, like obviously like over a decade of, of being in the game, like what sort of, maybe like what sort of mindset does somebody need in order to actually make it long enough into the game to realize what they need to do in order to be good at the game or it'd be great. Yeah. And I think this is very applicable. Like one of the most applicable things across the board, whether it's relationships, business, finances, like anything worth achieving is not being in love with or being married to the outcome, but mm -hmm. falling in love with the process, falling in love with the daily to do's. Right. So like, if we think about like the core fundamentals that I talked about, nutrition, training, recovery, um, and even supplementation, we can get into that too. But like, we think about the core fundamentals of what it takes to be like progressive, to actually progress day in and day out. Like you have to do that for a long, long time. Like there are genetic elites, like the Ronnie Coleman's of the world, the Bill Heats of the world that are literally just going to pick up weights and start growing. And in two years, they're going to be a pro. Um, and then in a two more years, they're going to be winning the Olympia, but like they're the genetic elite. That's like 0.00001% of the population. Um, and most people like mere mortals, like you and I, I, I get like my last competition, I stepped on stage at 220. So we're looking at over a decade and I gained about 50 pounds of muscle in, in, in over 10 years. So we're looking at less than five pounds of muscle tissue per year. And it wasn't linear. Like there were years where I didn't put on any muscle years that I put on more than five pounds. Yeah. If I was in love with just, or married to like, I'm going to be a pro there's no way I could have the like staying power to, to be consistent for over a decade. Um, instead, like, I just love training. Like I love training. I love feeling good, right? Like I love feeling healthy, feeling strong, feeling powerful, feeling, you know, and that comes from nutrition. Like, how do you eat? So I love that process. I love nerding out on, 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 on nutrition and how it affects the body. Um, so like, falling in love with the daily to-dos, falling in love with the daily checklist. That's the stuff that I love. And if you took competing away from me and said like, hey, the World Health Organization has now deemed bodybuilding uh, an illegal activity. You can't do it anymore. COVID shut it down or whatever. Like I would still train the same way. 
I would still eat the same way. I would still recover and rest the same way because it's something that I love. It's something I'm truly passionate about. And it's honestly like how I preach to my clients as well. Like most of the clients that I work with that you work with are general population, Mrs. and Mr. Jones that are trying to, you know, be healthy, be happy and comfortable in their own skin, maybe lose some weight, maybe gain some muscle. But really at the end of the day, like if they were attached to like that weight figure on the scale, like that's not a lifestyle. That's not something that's going to be maintained. They'll get there, but then most likely they'll stop doing the do and they'll gain it all back or they'll lose all the muscle that they were trying to gain in the first place. Instead, we focus on like, what can we control today? What are we focusing on today? Did I eat well? Did I move? Did I recover? Did I manage my stress? Like all of those simple things that make our life better anyway. And then the outcome takes care of itself. So you definitely alluded to it already, but how do you, how do you see the, the process of bodybuilding? How do you see that be able to be replicated into the everyday person's life? I think if you can be successful in, in, in bodybuilding, you now have the prerequisite skills to be successful in anything meaning the amount of uh, attention to detail for one, like I I track my food, every single gram that goes in my body gets tracked. Um, I I'm very consistent with my nutrition, with my training, with my sleep supplementation, like it's every single day. So if we translate, like, let's take that into like the business world, right? There are certain things that you must do every single day, whether you want to or not, whether you wake up motivated, whether you wake up excited, Um, whether you slept well the night before, like you have to do those things day in and day out. And you have to do it for a long period of time to be successful in business. Those are the same things that you have to do in in bodybuilding. If you want to build this physique that takes 10 plus years, and the same thing can be said about becoming a millionaire. Like you have to do these same things over and over and over again, rain or shine for 10 plus years to amass wealth. So it's the, it's the basic falling in love with the routine, being consistent with that routine, obviously bettering yourself through that routine. Cause I'm not going to pretend like when I was 21, 22 years old that I was doing everything optimally. I've gotten better over the years. I've learned more. I've experienced more. I've failed a lot more. So therefore I've improved my system, but I've been consistent with the, the fundamentals for the whole time. So I would probably venture to say like in, in the business world, same thing, you're going to learn as you go, but you have to be consistent for a long period of time. So if you can wrap your mindset around like just the daily to-do list, yeah. get really good at that and fall in love with that, you can accomplish anything you want to do. Yeah. I think, I think you're obviously right about that. It's just anything that's, that's a big goal that's worth doing, like it's going to take time to do. And um, although like maybe somebody just saw, they got on your Facebook and like, wow, damn, that was amazing. Like in their mind, you're an overnight success in their mind, they only see you as the Tim right now, but they don't see the Tim who started just a bodybuilding career, you know, 11, 12, 13 years ago. That doesn't include the, like the, the previous history of lifting weights and, and all that stuff as well. So um, the idea of overnight success, yeah, I mean, as, as one of my first mentors said, uh, it only took me 20 years to become overnight success. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just important to have, like, that's, that's one of the fundamental things that I hear you saying is that it's time, is consistency, it's following up the process. Those same things can apply to, in this case, business, right? And there's obviously ways to compress that timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the most valuable tools that I've encountered is, is hiring coaches. Like, I, I'm, not a, I, I, I'm not above saying that I always have worked with a coach, 
But literally since I started taking this seriously and like, hey, I'm going to become a pro, I've always worked with a coach, someone that's smarter than me, somebody that's been there. Um, and, and so like I tell my clients all the time, like, look, like I'm not just expecting you to, to hire me as a coach or use me as a coach. I do the same thing because that's where I put my value. That's where I put my money and my attention. So therefore, I can learn from somebody else making the mistakes before me and compress that timeline even further than if I'm just trying to stumble around and figure it out myself. And so, so then tell me, what, as you go and you do your first national show this year, like, what are some of the differences? Like, and what are some of the differences, and not just like the actual experience, but like your expectations going to this, this year deciding, I'm going to do a national show? Yeah, so honestly, like before the national show, like, and we get this a lot with our clients too, like, you don't have a lot of belief in yourself because you've never done it, you've never been there. Um, but my coach had all the confidence in me. He said, you have all the tools. You literally, um, like you can become a pro, like you have the structure, the genetics are there. It's just a matter of just like time and building up your body to the point. So we're going to do our first national show. You know, we're going to get our feet wet, but I'm very confident that you'll do well. And so I use that borrowed belief, which is what we give to our clients all the time. A lot of borrowed belief to, to kind of drive me through. And I had set this goal of being top three, um, at the, at, at the national show. And uh, obviously I didn't, I didn't accomplish that. I took fifth. So um, going into it, like I was writing this like expectation of, of getting top three. And, and honestly, like that expectation was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made along this prep was being emotionally tied to, or even my identity tied to the outcome of the show. And it was a big flip. Cause I did, I did junior nationals in Chattanooga uh, middle of June. And then I did um, the LA championships, which was uh, a national qualifier, uh, a very big show in LA, just what has it been two weeks ago, I did it two weeks ago. And one of the biggest changes in mindset was after junior nationals, like I went there and I just first off, amazing experience, because you're, you're bumping elbows with people like Flex Lewis, Sean Clarita, Nick Walker, uh, Brett Wilkins, like uh, I even got judged by Steve, Steve Weinberger was our head judge. And he's the same person that judges the Olympia. Like he's the same, he's like the, the man, like he, if you, if he judges you, you like, that's the best judge you're ever going to get in the, in the sport of bodybuilding at even the pro level. And so like, I was walking into almost a buzzsaw, um, the level of muscularity, the level of conditioning, meaning when, when we say conditioning and bodybuilding, we're not talking about like your ability to run or perform on the athletic field, we're talking about your level of leanness. Like I was as lean as I'd ever been, but I saw people that were, the, the people that placed ahead of me were on a whole nother level of conditioning. Like they were what we would call, you say shredded, we call the next level either skinned out or inside out. Inside out means you can see their organs. Like that's how freaking lean they are. Um, like levels of literally sub 4% body fat on a DEXA scan type of lean. And so it was really eye-opening. Like, number one, like people can get that lean and I can too. I, I've just seen it. Same with like the, 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 the banister story, right? The, the, oh. the, yeah, the four minute mile, like I saw it, it's possible. And um, so after that experience, like I was kind of really frustrated, really like almost down on myself, you know, like shit, like I put in like a lot of hard work, a lot of suffering. I'm not gonna lie. I was really hungry. It was one of the harder preps I've ever had in my life leading up to junior Nats. And, um, like I got on the phone with my coach cause he saw it was, it was live stream. He saw, he saw the, the, the live stream and we started talking and he was like, Hey, like, it's not about whether you place third, first or fifth, 
the question you have to ask yourself is, were you better than you were last time? And so as soon as I said that step back, I'm like, you know what? I was a lot better than last time. Mm -hmm. I put on about 15 pounds of muscle in the last year and a half. I went from 205 to 220. So like a big change in physique and I was way leaner. So like I might even put on even more muscle than that. And so I was able to like, kind of like stop, reframe the way I was thinking of like, you know what? I accomplished my goal, which is, was I better than last time? And if I keep doing that, eventually I will be number one. I will eventually be undeniable as the champion. So um, like that completely shifted in my head. And then moving into the next show, which was the LA championships four weeks later, I kind of just detached myself away from the outcome of the show. And I was able to put on another two to three pounds of muscle and get incredibly leaner. Then I, I put up a couple of before and afters of like one show to the next show. Like I would say it was a night and day difference between junior nationals and the LA championships. I was a completely different bodybuilder. Um, and really the main thing was the main difference was my mindset between the two shows. I wasn't attached to getting first. I was not attached to anything other than just being better than I was last time. And so it allowed me to make better decisions with my food, better decisions with my cardio, um, because we're all kind of neurotic just as an inside, you know, circle, like our, if we're left to our own devices, we will cut calories harder. We will do more cardio. We will deplete harder. Um, and, and that's not always the way to get leaner. Mm -hmm. So I just completely just detached myself away from the outcome and just executed. And I honestly didn't feel tired between junior Nats and, and uh, LA championships at all. Like I wasn't cardio didn't fatigue me. I didn't feel hungry. I didn't feel depleted. I felt very stress-free going into that next show because I didn't have the expectation of, I need to win this thing. And what was, what was the epiphany? What was the story that made, that helped you come to this realization about changing the expectation? So really, I think it kind of goes full circle into what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, this is a long-term process. This is a very long-term process. Just like anything in life, anything worth achieving, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of consistency. And if your identity is wrapped up in, oh, I'm, I'm in prep. And, and imagine this, like, imagine Katie coming up to you and like, she's got a problem and it's, you, you have to run out and fix something. Like she's broke down on the side of the road, but you got to fix something. And like, you're in prep, your identity is wrapped up in this prep. You have to win. And you're like, I can't do it. I can't help her because I'm in prep or, or like maybe, uh, you know, Kobe or one of, you know, one of your children like is like throwing a fit, but you're in prep. So you're supposed to be irritable. You're supposed to be, you know, short. You're supposed to be hungry. You might not respond to that person with the love and, and empathy and attention that they need because of your identity. Mm. Now flip that. Um, and I'll use your example of like, you went over a year without, you ate the same food, every single meal for a year, chicken and rice. Like that was what you lived on. John and myself, the other people at BSB didn't know like you were doing this until like the very end. We're like, Hey, like coming up next week, I'm going to go on a year of eating the same thing every day. Like that didn't affect the way that you treated Katie. It didn't affect the way that you treated us. It didn't affect your performance at work. It didn't affect your uh, performance as a father or your performance as a friend. Like you were just Logan that just showed up and did what needed to be done. And it was going on in the background. You were checking those boxes every single day, but you were still that wasn't your identity. Your identity was not Logan, the man who eats chicken and rice. It was just something you were doing, right? So like, same with bodybuilding. Like if you, I'm in prep, I'm supposed to be hungry. It comes with all these connotations of I'm supposed to be hungry. I'm supposed to be tired. I'm supposed to be irritable. 
I'm supposed to not sleep well. Um, I'm supposed to be stressed out. Like that's, even if it's not true, like there is a placebo effect. Like you will start to find yourself hungry, tired, short, like irritable. Like you, all those things happen and it will drastically affect the way that you treat other people and even the way that you train, right? If you go to the gym, knowing you're going to be weaker, you're going to be weaker. Yeah. Instead of being like, no, I just do my training session today. I have my numbers I need to hit. I'm going to hit those numbers and I'm move on. Like that's, that's literally the difference between how I prep for junior Nats to LA championships. I, I, I lost that, that identity. And now going into the, the off season, as we call it the time where now we're starting to ramp calories back up. Like the main focus is just maintaining a good routine for productivity and maintaining a, a reasonable level of body fat but I'm not attached to like, I need to get to 270 pounds. I need to get to 280 pounds this off season. I'm just going to check the boxes and keep improving and, and use my feedback and give it to my coach. And we're literally going to just, you know, do the day, day in and day out and focus on the day in and day out. If I can perfect that, the outcome will take care of itself. And I'm still not wrapping it up of like, if I never become a pro, it doesn't matter. Like as long as I get better every single show, that's all that matters. Yeah. So let's actually talk about that. So um, process to become a pro. Number one, like what is that process? And number two, what, when you become a pro, what does that mean? So the, the process um, is fairly simple. So you have to, it's kind of like a tiered system. So you have your local level shows, which are going to be like the Big Sky Classic over in Missoula. Uh, I think there's only a couple in, in Montana because we're such a small state population. You have to win your local level. If you win your local level, then you get to go to what's called a regional level, which would be like the LA championships or uh, the Excalibur, which is another one I did, or the Contra Costa, which is one in San Francisco. Um, then you have to, all shows are a little bit different, but it's generally first and second place qualify for a national show. So you have to qualify to go to the national level. Okay. And the national level are multiple tiers as well. So you have the junior national level, which is the level that I'm at or the level that I just competed at. The junior USA, so there's both the junior shows. And junior doesn't mean age. It just means like it's the step before like full-blown nationals. So then the next level, you have to win. I think it's top five at the junior national but national level. But realistically, if you're not first or second, you shouldn't move up to the, set, the next level because you're going to get crushed. So like let's say you take one or two, like first or second. Then you move to either the USAs, the nationals, or the North Americans, which are the three shows that we have in the United States that – are pro qualifiers, meaning you have to win the win your class. You have to take first place to uh, earn your pro card. So once you earn your pro card, now you are no longer competing in the NPC, which is the, the amateur uh, federation. You are now competing as an IFBB pro. Now this is, there's many different pro federations, but the IFBB is like the big one. It's the one that Ronnie Coleman is in. It's the one where all the best go to. Um, once you get to that level, now you're on the pro circuit. And that means that now you open yourself up to sponsorships. You actually win money at shows. So like you can compete for money. All the shows give out money at that point. So it becomes more of a, a job, more of a career than, um, than at the amateur level, nobody's making any money. It's, it's just because they love the sport or they're trying to become a pro. And so what do you see as the, as the short long-term future for you and your sport bodybuilder like what do you see it as like in the, in the interim like so in the next like one to two years and then how do you see bodybuilding being a part of your life the next five to ten years so i i first first and foremost um 
I love, I love the training, the nutrition, the, the, the whole aspect of the lifestyle. So regardless of competition, I'm going to still train. I'm still going to continue to better myself as, as long as I can ride it till the wheels fall off type of situation. I might have to change my training situation a little bit as I get older, but um, I'll still always be active in training probably until I can't do it anymore physically, which hopefully is until I die. Um, same with the nutrition. I, 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 uh, many of the listeners don't know this, but I have, I have Crohn's disease. So, um, I, I can't eat poorly anyway. Like it's not an option for me, but, um, like I was still always trying to be learning, um, how to, how nutrition can optimize performance, how can optimize body composition, optimize health, energy, you know, brain function, uh, digestion, like all of these things. So regardless of the outcome, I'm going to keep doing that because for one, it makes me a better person, but number two is it makes me a better coach. So I can, I can take what I learn and I can now teach people that are trying to um, get healthy themselves and, and have be a more effective coach, the better I become as, as a competitor, but also the more knowledgeable and experienced I become with this whole thing we call the wealthy body lifestyle. Um, so that's kind of like the macro goal, the long, long-term goal is it's really not about me. It's more about how I can serve other people. And the better I know, the better I become, the better I can serve people. So that's kind of the long, long-term vision, short-term vision, um, place things aside. I definitely, so this off season will be an exercise in probably, I need to put on about 15 to 20 pounds of more of tissue. Um, Cause like I said, people at my height need to be about 240, 245 to really be competitive at the national level. And I saw that firsthand when I went to Chattanooga. So it'll be, a, it'll be a little decent long, longer off season to uh, gain some muscle while keeping body fat in check. Um, and then after that, we'll decide on what show we want to do. But within the next couple of years, next two to three years, I want to definitely be placing at a, a national level, not the junior national level, but the actual national level, which I think is very doable. Um, so that's kind of the short, the shorter term goal. And like from a, from a fulfillment or from a joy or from a achievement, mindset like why like why isn't like why like why is that the goal to to become a pro like what would that mean for you yeah yeah so um it's definitely uh something that i've asked myself a lot especially recently because mm -hmm. i do always challenge my clients with like why are we doing this like why is why is losing 50 pounds important to you like what would it add to your life and for me like uh full circle full transparency I grew up very overweight. I grew up very, um, I would say unconfident in my body. Um, I graduated high school around 265, 266 pounds and probably about 30% body fat. Like I was not a good 260. Um, and so I was very insecure, very unsure of myself. And as I got into this, I got into it probably for more, uh, say more security reasons than anything. Um, mm -hmm to feel good about myself, to feel confident. But then that really started to be replaced with, with this, uh, I would say probably this feeling of, of accomplishment, of personal power um, and being able to like take the focus off of myself. And, and because like, I feel great about my body now. I feel super confident. I'm not like, I've completely conquered that, that demon. And now it's more, okay, if I can make one person 
feel the way I feel like my, my, my life's purpose, like is worth it. Right. Like, so I know what it feels like to be very insecure. I know what it feels like to be very, uh, unhappy with your, your body and, um, like wake up every morning, kind of for lack of a better word, hating yourself, mm -hmm. uh, like the way, what you see in the mirror. And I know how freeing it is to get that monkey off your back. And, and it really is like when you can take your eyes off of the scale, when you can take your eyes off of, or maybe your eyes is not the right term, like your, your attention, like it eats up a lot of your attention. And so if your attention is constantly fixed on, I don't like myself, I don't love myself. I'm not happy with what I see in the mirror. Like that's just not a good place to be mentally or physically. And if I can help somebody rid themselves of that burden, like that just fills me up with so much joy and purpose. Um, so really like all in all, like, yes, I want to become a pro. Like I've set my mind to it. I set this goal when I was like 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And when I set my mind to something, I'm going to accomplish it. It's just a matter of time. Like I'm putting my head down, I'm gonna freaking get it done. Mm -hmm. But the purpose behind that has changed drastically from, it used to be about me. Now it's not really about me at all. It's about the people that I serve, like my clients, but even more intimately, my intimate relationships, like, you know, uh, my family, right? Like I have uh, a few family members that are really struggling with weight. Um, like obesity is definitely my family, diabetes. Um, so like being able to set that example and um, not from like getting on stage and being sub five, sub 4% body fat, that's not, that, that's not the example. The example is the routine, the, the healthy lifestyle, the eating, the exercise, the saying that like having self-control, like when you go out to dinner, um, having a good relationship with food, right? Like we can sit here and, and, uh, and say like, oh, you know, pizza's bad, ice cream's bad, alcohol is bad, but really it's just food. Like the most important thing is having that power and that trust and belief in yourself and being able to make that decision and, and make it in a way that serves you rather than it disserves you. So like, kind of using the analogy of like a, an alcoholic, right? So like, like a real tell of an alcoholic is when they can't have one drink, they're an all or nothing type of mentality. They have one taste of alcohol. They're going to go off the rails and they're going to go until they black out. Alcohol has control over them, whether or not they are completely absent from alcohol or they give in and they, they binge, right? Either side of that coin, alcohol still controls their life. Mm -hmm. Someone that has a good relationship with alcohol can have a drink when it serves them and they can say no to the second one or the third one whenever they want. They don't have to be controlled by that. So it's the same with food. Like if you like demonize foods like pizza, ice cream, beer, like that's still that pizza, ice cream, beer still has control over you. It still is your master. You are not a master of the food. The food is a master of you. So to develop a really healthy relationship with food. Um, like context of how we, we work with our clients is we do, we do exercise some control and some, some restriction in the beginning, for sure. We, we have food lists that we operate off of. We have healthy choices, healthy recipes, but our goal is to work towards being able to make those choices when it suits them, but just be accountable to them. Like know how many calories are in them, track their macros and be able to have a slice of cake when they want to have a slice of cake, but be able to say no. So we're not demonizing or glorifying any one food group. We can just use that food how we see fit and we're just accountable to it. But ultimately we're in control. Does that make sense? Awesome. So, so that is like 
long, long story short, the reason that I'm doing this is because the example I can set um, through my dedication, through my consistency, um, through my perseverance, really more than anything, it, it just teaches me so much that I can now transfer over to the people that I care about, whether it's my family, my relationships, or even definitely my clients as well. Yeah. And even from like a, from like a credibility standpoint, obviously like you have the physique to, to show that like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. You have the, you have the experience, you have the clientele and then just like, like adding that pro status is almost like having like a doctor status. Like all of a sudden it's just like, ultimately it's just like you get, you instantly gain that last level of respect when you become a pro or like in this case, like the doctor, right? It's like, like it doesn't matter who it is. Like people just respect doctors. It's just, yeah. just like they respect pros. So I think that's what I see as being like, like all the things that you talked about, like you're already doing those things, which is, which is cool. Um, but I think like the thing that what I picked from it is like, when you have a pro status, you're able to touch a lot more people because you, you, you instantly get more credibility, whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. Uh, but all of a sudden it's just getting a platform it's a platform yeah. to share like your your message and and what you want to do like that's the thing that matters and then the more credibility you have um it just allows you to share that message and just spreads a lot faster because you get instant credibility so yeah i couldn't agree more i think the platform is is very big and we have lots of examples of how that platform has been used for not such good things it like can be used on the, on the wrong side too right people that <laughs> don't really have credibility they just have a pro status and they're like oh therefore i should listen to you know i'm not gonna name drop but like dr oz right yeah. like he just garbage and at the same time wow. he's like, he's a doctor so millions of people listen to him yeah all right i got one final question for you and this is would be like you talking to your younger self and the person, the Tim, who's just getting into, into this, either the sport of bodybuilding or just getting started with a fitness journey, like what, what advice do you give the, the, the Tim who's just getting, who's, who's 265 pounds and he's not happy with himself? Like what advice do you give him to get him to where he is, where you are today? Wow, if I could, if I could do that, that would be pretty powerful. Um, a lot of advice, because I was definitely in a much unhealthier headspace when I first started. So first off and foremost, um, I would tell, we'll say 18 year old Tim, you have permission to be happy and love yourself right now. Mm. Like getting abs, gaining 22 inch arms, that's not gonna make you happy. Like you need to be happy now. And, and then out of that happiness, you're doing all this because you love yourself, not because you hate yourself. So I think that's like the first thing I would tell myself. Number two, is this going to take a whole hell of a lot longer than you think it is? This is going to take more than a decade. This is going to take a lot of freaking time and commitment. Um, and you're going to have to change not just your physique, but more importantly, you're going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to change the way that you view yourself, the way that you view other people, the way you view obstacles. Um, you're going to have to flip all of that in your head because these are gonna come up and they can ruin you or they can make you better. So you're gonna to have to just come to terms, come to peace with that obstacles are gonna be in your way. And you need to learn to love those obstacles, like thrive on those obstacles. Look at them as opportunities to grow, not just as a person, but you know, expand your knowledge, um, but grow some resiliency. Because every obstacle is like a weights training session. 
it's, it's literally strengthening the muscle of resiliency. So if you run into an obstacle and you quit on that obstacle, you didn't finish your session. You didn't finish your workout. And, and we're all about finishing our sets. We're all about finishing our reps. And every obstacle is just another rep. And you're going to get stronger. It's going to make you a better person. And this is all outside of the gym. This is completely outside of the gym. And so that would be number two. You need to realize it's going to take a lot longer than, it's, than you think it is. And you're going to come up against obstacles. So learn to fall in love with your obstacles. And then number three is that you need to, oh, sorry, I have three and four. So this will be like three and four. Number three, hire a freaking coach, hire a coach and be very selective with who you hire as a coach. Have a coach that has the long-term vision in mind. Someone that is not just coaching you on the X's and O's of what to eat, how much weight to lift, what exercises to perform, what cardio to do, but someone that's going to coach you on the mindset, someone that's going to coach you on your daily routine, because that's literally the fundamental of everything is your daily routine. Yeah. Someone that's going to coach you on more than just the gym and, and literally follow and listen to that person. If they want you to pay them a bunch of money, pay them a bunch of money because they're going to save you money in the long term. And then number four, um, and I think I'm kind of just dropping a blank on number four. Uh, okay, so number four is, this is some I made a mistake of even last year. Um, don't rush the process. Don't think that you can put on 30 pounds of muscle in a year. Because when you do that, you're going to end up just getting way too fat. <laughs> and it's going to cause you a hell of a lot of suffering when you go into prep. Um, so take it slow. Your body's only going to put on muscle at a certain rate. Don't force that rate. Focus on health. Focus on progression. Don't focus on the scale. Love that. Love that. I think that's, you know, ultimately, um, it's like playing the long game, like thinking big picture, being patient, uh, and then honestly thinking about the positives uh, rather than just like, like all the, all the negatives basically is how I, something it's mm -hmm. awesome. Awesome, my friend. Well, hey, I appreciate you like sharing this, your story, your journey. Um, and yeah, man, where, um, where can people find you? Where like, if, if it wants to look you up and see your pictures, they want to see what you're doing. Like, like where can I find you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me um, on Facebook. My full name is Timothy Glenn Cruz. And it'll just be a picture of me all oiled up and tan flexing. Mm -hmm um and looking crazy and then uh also on ig so on instagram uh, it's tim underscore be strong um on instagram so those are the two main places but number three is you can find me on bsb or uh, bigskybarbell.com as one of the coaches here with logan and john um because that is where we change some freaking lives so those are the three avenues if you have questions um coaching inquiries anything like that feel free to reach out send me a dm um, or just look us up on, on online and, and you can get in contact with us that way as well. So yeah, there's lots of ways. We like to be, we like to be open. We like to make yeah. sure that people can talk to us. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing story with us and uh, the inspiration and look forward to obviously continue to see your journey where, where it leads you. And uh, yeah, just, just appreciate you. So thank you. And if everybody's watching, like I said, go, go find Tim on his, on his Facebook, his Instagram, wherever you like to be. You can go to the and if you want to have Tim be your coach, definitely go on, onto the website, 
uh, often right now we're giving away a free 42-day guide. Um, that's absolutely free. And then uh, if you want to talk about an actual coaching program, you can get on the call and see if you're a good fit for the program. So anyway, happy happy day that we're watching this. My name is Logan Mazzanares with Tim Cruz here today, and we're out. Bye. <laughs>